2: oh yeah there's a weekly show here on the Blue Room we are live on YouTube as well for anyone who's watching that thanks very much for joining us there as well I am Matt Jones I know it says Alex Keegan on my little box on <laughs> Zoom here but it's not <laughs> it is me they've shaken, it, they've shaken his head there. are um, you know shoddy production as ever day from us
0: we used to be professional at these things mate
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's my brother-in-law Zoom though otherwise it just go up after 40 minutes and that's that's even more professional isn't it
0: yeah, it's, it's uh, pretty damning of our current financial state that we can't afford six quid a month in it.
2: 12, it is, <laughs> 12 I think. 12, so, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Mean, if, if, you look,
0: if you log out after 40
2: minutes, you can just log back in again and keep it going. But I'd, ra- I'd say I'd rather people have a wrong name in my box and have to wait for <laughs> us to log in and log back out again. Uh, the voice you heard there, if you're listening to the podcast, is Paul McPartland. Paul, are you well? I'm, f- I'm fine, Matt. How about yourself? <laughs> Not too bad, mate. Yeah,
3: not, not too bad at all. And Ben Crawford's here as well. Ben, how are you, mate? I'm good, thanks, mate. Back in work, getting back to normal on the football, back on telly. So, all's <coughs> a moments, moment. Getting a little bit more back to normal life. Wonderful stuff. Uh, obviously, later on the show, we speak about Everton's game
2: against Leicester City on Wednesday night. If you are watching this on YouTube, you've got any thoughts about that game? Got any thoughts on the team selection and the lads Everton should be playing in that one? Uh, let us know in the comment box. If um, you want to get in touch with us after the show, it's at the Blue Room EFC on Twitter as always. Um, and you want to get in touch with us individually, um, you can do via our Twitter account, which will be in the post. Um, we should say more often as well. Leave us a review on iTunes if you can as well. Um, we should ask, uh, leave us a rate, leave us a review. Let us know what you think of the show. All these things help, all the pieces matter. So really appreciate that. Um, so yeah, we're going to speak about Leicester a little bit later on. But, um, the big Everton story today, David, I don't know if you've seen it, because even have working today, is Carlo Angelotti forgot who Luke Garbutt was.
0: <laughs>
2: or didn't know who Luke Garbutt was, and it was all quite awkward and embarrassing, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, I can imagine heads are rolling at Finch Farm, that he wasn't told that information beforehand. Um, it was it was just comical, wasn't it? The way he just turns directly to whoever's sitting next to him of the media team and saying, Who? <laughs> um and you know what? I, I initially laughed my head off of it because, it, I, I mean, Luke Garber did himself. He handled it really well. I don't know if you've seen. Yeah. Just before FD, he put on a compilation of his, um, <laughs> his best moments since he was on loan and things like that. And he said, see what you're missing out on, Carlo. So I think he's taken it in the right spirit. But I tell you what, I bet you somebody like Carlo Ancelotti of his professionalism, you will not be happy that he's not being briefed about that. Yeah, I
2: think mean, that's fair enough, isn't it, Paul? I already have seen or at people taking extreme stances on this. Some people think it's hilarious. Some people think it's a bit bit shameful and a bit embarrassing for the football club. But it's probably just the sort of thing that happens when you've got a new manager in have probably not met Luke
1: Garber before he's been
2: at the football club.
1: No, I think that's right, Matt. I I think somewhere between the two, isn't it? As Dave says, someone should have briefed uh, Ancelotti about Luke Garber to make him at least aware he's on the staff. Because as you say, Carlo would have had no contact with him whatsoever. And... Presumably because Luke was never going to figure in his future planning forever. So why would he even be aware of the guy? So it, it is kind of kind of poor backgrounds support there for Carlo when he's facing that interview. Uh, but as Dave said, I've, I've been following Luke garbage's Twitter response today, he, and he's come across really, really well. He, he's not busy. He's not angry. He's not gone off on one. He's taken in the spirit that it was meant, and I think he's done himself some quite considerable credit by his his considered reaction to some of those, Some players could have gone quite got quite stroppy about
2: yeah, I think that, that's absolutely fair enough, isn't it, Ben? Um, just was going to ask all of you, have you ever, anything like that ever happened to you before, where you've forgotten who somebody is or forgotten someone's name or, or something like that?
3: I, I just thought your name was Alex Keegan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Is it, is it not? Is it <laughs> no, it's not it? that, I yeah. my, Oh, I thought it was Alex Keegan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ben. You were asking been
2: for that, that mate. Do you know what? Just a uh, little story about uh, that. This morning, I had Pete Selby on who's obviously from the Fox 8 podcast. And he's, he's very busy this morning, obviously stuff going on in Leicester at the moment, all the stuff they're doing. And we had a, a good chat about um, everything in the game at the weekend. And People who listen to us on Blue X not know this, because I ed- edited it out at the end. But I think he just sort of realized, thought halfway through that he was speaking to a skeleton, thought it was a Liverpool fan. And at the end <laughs> of the conversation, he went, oh, I just want to say as well, congrats to Liverpool for winning the league. He's a been unbelievable. Just sort of sat there like, do I, do I say something here or, or do just let him go on? <laughs> so I just, I just pretended that it, that it was all fine. And when I put the well, tweet out for our Blue Room Extra show earlier on, he texted me saying, oh yeah, just realised what, what happened. There. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, is Alex Keegan eventually? a
3: Liverpool fan though? Alex
2: Keegan is a Liverpool fan, yes. Yeah. There He's you
3: seen, go, that's why he was seen... saying
2: congratulations. He thought it was Alex Keegan. Keegan sick it to all the red, but I was on my account there because it wasn't a 40-minute yeah. shot, so there we go. But uh, ever done anything like that? Dave, you must have done something like that.
0: I did something like that last week, didn't I? I called me, Matt Jones, last week, didn't I? When we started up. But second day in of our new radio show, and I called, I said, we are live at eight o'clock with me, Matt Jones. Um, and I can't believe I said it. It's just, it's years of working with him and hearing him say it. It's just, I didn't, must have had it subliminally in my mind to say it. So I called myself Matt Jones. I've had many times in press conferences, you know, when you have to sort of stand up or put your hand up and say your name and where you're from. And I always find that, like, it's really childish, really, but whenever you've been to, like, a, maybe a mass job interview or something like that, or any sort of ice-breaking activity, you know, you have to put your hand up and say what you do, who you are, what you like, and all that stuff. Obviously the same with press conferences, and a couple of times, I think once with Brendan Rogers was one, and uh, Kenny Dalglish was the other. Put my hand up, said Dave Downey, Radio City, and... Both of them. One of them, I think, it was Rogers. asked me what my name was again because he wants to address <laughs> me. It, 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 it's, it, it's nice in a way because he wants to actually have a conversation with you. But Dal Glees called me Steve twice. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it didn't feel great because everyone else around just sort of laughing at you. Do you know what I mean? It could be quite a, a difficult environment to the best of times, those those press rooms. But um yeah, I was gutted about that. I just went red faced and I was like, forgot my question. I was like, yeah, I, I don't want to ask anymore. I'll just sit. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh.
1: What about you, Paul? Yeah, I mean, me, look, uh, as Dave outlined there, there's always, there's always the cases when it's easy to make a mistake with somebody's name. I mean, when I used to work in education, hurdens even used to be a minefield because inevitably you'd end up calling somebody. By their name before they got divorced and the luck they'll give you to kill because you, 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 you'd called them the wrong surname, you know, I've been divorced, so think, how can you still think I'm with that person, you know uh, so yeah, that was that, 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 that always a bit of a minefield and you, you always made sure that you learn from that as well, so that that, that, that was quite easily done and uh, I, I, I do know because because my surname always gets mispronounced by people, always gets extra lessons added onto it because MacFarland or Macfarlane or Macpar, Macpar, Macpar with, a, with a, my problem with the D, uh, I you know I have some sympathy for people getting names wrong. but well, you're talking about uh, Brendan Rogers Dave. Yeah. Uh, just tell you one little story. Uh, I used to work for me high and uh, one day uh, I was waiting to go and see the head, and. Uh, I was trying to get in. His PA, his PA was saying, no, you can't go in and see him. He's with Brendan Rodgers, the Liverpool manager. Now, the head was a fanatical blues, so I thought this was a wind. I was saying, no, you're joking. Brendan Rodgers is in the office. No, I'm going to go in and see him right now. I, I, I don't believe you. Just as I went and walked and opened the door, Brendan Rodgers came right out and I smacked right into him. And you know, he doesn't. <laughs> Of all the things I could have said to Brendan Rodgers, and I just froze. I couldn't think of a word to say to him. I just smiled <laughs> I went in the office feeling like a complete idiot. Fortunately, behind me, the school caretaker, who was a massive blue, saw Brendan Rodgers and just told into him about Liverpool and how, how much better, better Everton was. So that was quite good to see as well. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough.
2: Fair enough. I think we all like to think we'd say something. Oh, sure, strong in those circumstances, but we never actually do, do we? Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm thinking, wait,
1: when, when you're unprepared for it, you know. There's so yeah. things I look back, I I could have said this, I could have said that, but the, the opportunity went.
2: There we, go. there we go. So we've all got a bit of sympathy for Carlo today in that regard. And I, I imagine I imagine he would have been straight on the phone to Luke Garber to apologise. It seems like that sort of fellow, doesn't he? Um, but obviously the reason he was asked about Luke Garber is because he is one of a number of players who have left the club's contract has expired and um, officially think the players will leave or won't be able to place tomorrow. And that means um, some familiar faces won't be knocking around the squad anymore, Ben. And I suppose the, mm. the one that's generated the most chat and one that's been most <laughs> prominent in the first team in recent years has got to be Umar Nias. You've got to say, you know, almost as recently as this year, he was coming off the bench for, for Everton in games against Newcastle, that mem- memorable cameo appearance he made against Newcastle um, for, for the wrong reasons. Um, Cuca Martina is another one as well. and um, I suppose why you sort of look back at those lads and you know, there's no real ill will towards any of them because they were just limited footballers who tried the best. I think it's <coughs> it was yeah. a, it's sort of indicative of the recruitment strategy that was put in place by the club in those years when when those lads were actually brought in.
3: Well, that's it. I mean, you know, Prince Umar is leaving the club after <laughs> after a very successful well, we can't say that can we but <clears throat> I do always like to remind people though, when they talk about particularly Umani Asa, Kuku, Marti because like you've said there they weren't actually like players with bad attitudes they didn't work hard they were just pretty bad at football as I think the line would have to go with mm. but you know what I've seen a lot worse as well and that's really worried I've seen a lot worse than Umani Asa at Everton Football Club namely one who's still on the books now in Sandro Ramirez mm. um, so you know it's it's it was always going to happen that they were going to get released and we need to get players off the wage bill and names off the wage bill. I mean, Luke Garbett, apparently he mentioned there, he's on about thirty grand a week, mm. something like that. I mean, that's, obviously at the time, we all thought he was like the new Leighton Baines and Kana, but obviously that didn't end up coming to fruition. So really just getting these players off the books is the right decision. But I don't particularly... Uh, share the opinions of a lot of Everton. We're the sort of uh, Caser Nouman, the they Martin, Martina leave because at the end of the day, they they didn't do anything wrong. They worked hard, and tried the best. They just weren't good enough. So that's why we've released them. So as far as I'm concerned, I, I you know I would like, especially probably more likely now, I'd like to see him in the Premier League again as long as he's uh, not scoring against us.
2: <laughs> and I think I think as well, David. Certainly with the ass, I, think, <coughs> I think of that season where he gets into the team after you know so effectively his comeback story isn't it? after you know, he's, his has taken off him, he's exiled by Ronald Coo, and then he comes back in in the game against Bournemouth and, and rescues Everton and has a good little run on the team then, scores a few goals, and helps the team out, helps them pull away from relegation trouble that season. I sort of think if he'd left at the end of that season, someone sort of would come in and bit a decent amount for him and he'd gone, everyone would look back on him like really fondly and say, oh, you know, this is a lad who came in, he, you know, he fought back from effectively being on the brink of the squad. He'd, won a load of people over. He scored a few important goals and we got a bit of money for him at the end of it. But I think because of the fact he's been around a, a couple more years because he's come on in recent games and, you know, understandably probably been, you know, looked a bit hopeless because he's not played much football. It sort of soured it a little bit.
0: Yeah, because it, it's... It, I, I'm, I'm with Ben and what he said. I, I think that if you look at it um, fairly and analyse it on uh, without any real context, there's not really much you can blame him for because he's, he's always tried his best. Martina, the same. When, when they've been in the team, when they've been had to have been picked, unfortunately, it's not their fault, that the crap of footy. Do you know what I mean? To put it bluntly, I, I think that where, where the sort of anger comes towards them is when you start talking about wage constraints and financial fair play and stuff like that. That's when people start to get angry with players like that because they're still knocking about on, a substantial wage, and Everton are unable to do anything in the transfer market because of players like that. Mm. And that again is not their fault, they haven't contributed to that. They've, they've done what was asked of them. And you know, we, we can sit here and talk about how poor they are all day. But if you're umanias, if you're cuckoo martin, and you're offered the lucas of contract at a Premier League football club, you're not going to say no, I'm not good enough. Are you quite clearly? They believe in their own ability, yeah. there's absolutely nothing with that. So, I, I don't have any any issue or bone to pick with either of them. Even, even Sandro, who's there now, the only ones that really, I think, should be criticised at the club are the ones who you can blatantly see down tools in games and ones that we've spent considerable amounts of money on. So, in in a, in a funny sort of way, I have more of an issue with the likes of gilfie Sigurdsson, Schneiderlin, who's just gone, who visibly have let the club down with, by not performing on the pitch, not trying their best. Mm. Paul will know this much more than me. Um, as the elder statesman of the four of us tonight. hope you don't <laughs> mind. it. Uh-oh. It's a compliment, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> what, what I'm trying to say to you is, the old adage with, with Everton, and, and we learned a lot about this in the Diaries of an Old lady series that we did, was that as long as you try your best, yes, people will be unhappy that we lose games. Yes, they'll be happy if the side underperforms. But if everybody tries their best, there's no real qualm Evertonians can have with them. And that's always been the case. And, and with Kukomati and Umani so I don't think we can say that about them. I don't think we can say they did not give their all. Yeah, I'd agree. To, and,
1: uh, me, to me, a classic case in point of what you just said there was um, when we signed Neil Poynton uh, in the 85 yep. 86 season, who, who ended up with the nickname Dizza, as in disappointing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he always gave us all even though he wasn't a good player you'd never criticise because he put on the shirt did the job he, he got some brilliant ball. he showed his <clears the throat> commitment to the cause and commitment to the club and the things you've outlined there in a certain place I, I, I'd be I've considered including Fabian Delph in that list as well. Yep. As, as players who are taking the money and as a paying fan, you think, oh, what am I getting from, you know, for, for, for paying to watch this guy? What's he adding to the team? And you know, When you have players like Delph falling out of the fans probably on in, in Instagram, Instagram spats and things like that, I, I just don't think that's good. I think the players you mentioned before, you know, likes and the Aston. so it, to me, it opens up two big questions for Everson. One, the whole recruitment strategy. I mean, yep. how informed was it? And secondly, the negotiation strategy. Why Everton getting held over by agents who are getting as big a salary as possible for these players coming to the club? And really, we should be playing hardball and saying, well, look, this is Everson Football Club. You need us more than what we need you, actually. So think about your demands because we're not going to go along and pay for them. Mm.
2: It's, it, it's staggering that... But- that deal even went ahead. And the last one when you think about it is when you think back to it, you know, at the time, you know, Everton's manager was saying he was rushing football of the year, the season before he came to us, and he, he wasn't. He sort of just made up an award, and it was on a website, and it's, it's when, you, when you think back to it then, and you look at the, the limitations he had of the footballer, you sort of, I know every now and then you sign a dude, and you sign players that don't look up to it, but you look at someone like him, and you think, how on, how on earth did, I'm actually a Premier League football club as well. So many people need to rub a stamp or sign, and you need to have so many different players. People look at them scouts, the manager, they're obviously director of football now as well. But him to have slipped through so many layers and managed to, to get a move to, to a club like Everton, you wonder what's gone on there. I mean, <coughs> we've had
3: how many examples in the past where players have. Not lived up to expectation, but yet yeah, you type the name in on YouTube and you see a highlight trail that makes him look like Messi or Ronaldo. But Eden, I gen sorry, go Eden on, <laughs> no, <laughs> it's, no, it's McGee- exactly. but you know what? I'm, I'm gonna, in the ass is the exact opposition to that argument <laughs> because the second, obviously, like everyone, I've never heard of him. I've never, you know, probably been linked with Chelsea and all kinds, but never heard of him. You know, he obviously wasn't Russian football of the year, and then I went to YouTube as you do. To see what the lads made of, and he looked pretty bad on YouTube. I saw, you know, a compilation of goals that he scored. There were a few on there, but most of them were him that involved him sort of running the, but like falling the ball into the net. So it was a bit like falling over his finish, and it like trickling over the line. And straight away, I've got to be honest, I did look at him and think looks a little bit too. So unorthodox I mean he looked powerful and looked quick but doesn't look like he can hit a football properly and we saw obviously those sort of fake injuries that were made up that he had a dodgy wrist do you remember when he came in and he was walk, walking around with like a white cast on his hand for like the first few months sort of you know trying to if anything give him an excuse not to play him because Martin must have seen him and trained him and gone don't know what's what's gone here because what you've got to remember is at the time this wasn't uh, a squad full of like very very poor strikers that you could compare them to. You had Romelu Lukaku on the same yeah. ground there. So yeah. like if you compare you know apples and apples, you must have looked at one of them and gone one of them out of date. You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> it just it baffled me to see it because I try and be as positive. Like I've been guilty of being positive in the past when we bought players and on. Like Alex Awobi for example, you know, he'd not quite worked out when we came, I was like, no, no, I think that's that's actually a good sign. I'm quite happy about that because you because I've seen bits of him and all that. But as soon as I saw Nash I sort of just thought, doesn't look the kind of cycle we need. And mm. lo and behold, it turns out that one half decent goal scoring season aside in seventeen, eighteen you know, we'll go on with our best wishes. But uh, certainly, I don't think he's going to be missed, as you put it that way. Yeah,
2: that, that bundling the ball over the line, Dave. It, it, it's almost like Thierry Henry's trademark finish is opening his The up and curling it into the far corner. Umanias's <coughs> Umani trademark finishes, falling over the ball, hitting him on the backside. literally it, what he does. And it bumbling over the line, isn't it? And I still maintain now, if a ball gets cleared over the defender's head and the defender turns, he's going back towards his own goal. There's not a fella in the world that'd rather have running after that ball than Umar Nias, because he is great in those situations. He could always hustle the defender and get round him and, and make something happen and fall over the ball or something like that. But, you know, that, that, that
0: bundled finish was, you know, the TM, wasn't it? Well, it was. And, and I was just thinking then, you know, when you put like, um, if, if those of you have a flutter, you put on like a, a first goal scorer bet at the weekend and you can choose if it's like a header, uh, left foot, right foot. They should have opened their own marker for Nias, like, like kneecap, shin you know
3: back of his shoulder when he headed it against Palace <laughs> 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 from oh, a Martin, a left footed cross by the way
0: yeah the best thing about that was it was it looked like before you even saw the replay it Brilliant. looked like the best finish you've ever seen sent the keeper um, the wrong way and then when <laughs> <laughs> you see the replay you're like oh he's meant to put it in the other corner which undoubtedly would have either been <laughs> saved or gone wide um, yeah I mean the, the thing that gets me and there's probably a story in this if you were to dig, enough, uh, dig deep enough, Matt, was you look at the disparity between that signing and what happened in Martinez's first season when we got um, Lukaku on loan, James McCarthy, uh, Gerard De La Feuille and Gareth Barry. I mean, you look at that as a, as a foursome to sign when you come into a brand new club. Every single one of them was superb in that first season. How on earth do you go from that with your recruitment team to get an Umani Ash? From, from the Russian league, I, I, it's the most ever thing ever, isn't it? But I don't understand that there's parity. And what what's I mean, like Paul going back to what Paul said, I think it's a great point. You only look at that and think agents don't you, you think we've gone into a market there, European market, thinking, well, we need it, we need a striker that won't cost an arm and a leg, but can finish with an arm and a leg,
3: or a knee, or a neck, or a
0: shoulder. Yeah, yeah, that was the market for somebody who's quite clearly slipped under the radar. The only problem was he slipped under the radar because he was never meant to be on a radar or it was a different radar altogether. And so I, I think Paul's probably right in, in terms of agent fees and, you know, us sort of trying to pander to them and saying, look, we need a striker here. Who have you got for us? Somebody's quite clearly sitting there with an inflated wallet on the back of Umani Ass coming to Everton when he probably never, never should have. Yeah, I think that's yeah.
2: fair enough. Um, yeah,
0: I think it's fair Go, on, uh, go, on, go on, Paul. I mean, all I say in the
1: defences, the is the best goal he ever scored as an Everton player was when he's on loan a Hull against Liverpool, when he almost <laughs> took the ball from the halfway line, stumbled over it about four times, but eventually scored the goal. And, you know, to me, my abide memory of him is no matter how poor he was for Everson, and always delighted he scored that second goal to beat Liverpool 2-0 a Hull. Yeah, yeah. Do you, I, do you
2: know what in that season, Ben, mentioned as well, he did... He did score some big goals in that season. Got eight you know, the, goals in fourteen starts, you know. Yeah. The, 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 the Bournemouth game in particular was, you know, it was just a really hilarious mad occasion when he came off the bench and scored twice, and you know, that, was a sliding,
0: that day. That, that, that was a real sliding doors moment, that because Cumin yeah. could have gone had we lost that game. Yeah, but it, but also also Dave as well. He he scored
2: the first goal in that comeback win over Watford. Yeah. And it was, it was again it was him falling over the ball on its way into yep. the line. But you know, he, he basically chases down a lost course, the keeper misses it and he just falls over and it goes in off him. But you know, again that was sort of the goal that, that night, which Everton were dead and buried at 2 0 and he and he got them back into the game at least and gave us a bit of a a, a foothold to, to push on. So, you know, as much as we sit here and, you know, we'll slate his football and ability at times in that season when Everton Everton were on the brink, he did pull out some You know, not moments of quality or or great finishes, but he was just he was just the right fella in
3: the right place at the right time. Do you remember though? Do you remember his last goal? Uh, I think it's probably his last ever goal for Everton, actually apart from a cut one. It was Allardyce's last game against West Ham, I think we got beat like three one. But the ball goes into (laughs) the box. He like (laughs) knocks the ball over his own head, turns on the sixpence and then volleys it in or something. You're like, it's a good quality finish, you know what I mean? he actually had a little bit of something in him. He's just he was useless (laughs) ninety nine percent of the other time.
0: Yeah, the 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 abiding goal for me, the thing that I remember the most for is when he scored that <clears throat> goal against We got beat 5-2. Yeah. <laughs> against, against Arsenal. Yeah, yeah, we got beat yeah. that day. And he in ends the up, he closes game. down. Who's in goal at the time? Is it Chesney? Just check, check. Yeah. yeah. He closes him down and bundles it in. And then he's just a classic striker, isn't he? Who gets that consolation goal, grabs the ball and runs back to the halfway line. And he even looks it, yeah. Even looked like he was going to fall over when he
3: was doing that as well. well <laughs> yeah. It's ironic he scored the final goal of Koeman's dream before he got sacked. How ironic is that that he didn't give him a lot didn't and he, yeah. then he scores the final was, goal. Yeah, because he got sacked after that Arsenal game. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah that's right, yeah. yeah, yeah.
3: So he scored. He had the last laugh there in the ass, didn't he? my
1: As you said, Ben, as well, he scored the last goal of Adelaide's reign as well. Yeah. yeah, it's a bit of a yeah. theme, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. God, so, yeah. I
3: bet you he went up to... I hope he went up to Coombe on the last days. He was like getting the stuff, and he goes, uh, can I have your locker then if you're gone?"
2: that one. Great bit of swagger, right? yeah. Umar's the manager now.
3: Prince
2: <laughs>
0: Umar. Yeah. One um... of the one of the spends half an hour of a podcast talking about. He's done himself proud. That lad. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We yeah. I mean, spoke
2: yeah. about him on Elevens recently, and there's just so many. There is so many funny moments. Like I remember he, he was unveiled. And he just sprinted onto the pitch and like ran round the centre circle as fast as he could in his jeans and his Everton top, just waving <laughs> at everybody. It's almost like he was just warming up to come on for the second half. But, was um, his day
3: down at Bournemouth in the cup? Is that yeah. Right? yeah, you come on sub in the FA Cup. Yeah. yeah. Did,
0: someone did, someone said to me after after that game, they were down there and said like you could you could visibly see the other substitutes warming up at half time. Sort of like looking at each other saying, what's he doing here? Because he couldn't like trap the ball, he couldn't control it properly. and He, he never, I mean, it, look, it wasn't a case of being massively disappointed, was it? Because he never, he never reached, <laughs> no. never yeah. reached any sort of standard. <laughs> <laughs> hmm? Yeah,
3: Having Lukaku softened the blow, didn't he? Yeah. Because yeah. we didn't need to, re- we didn't need to rely on him though, did we? Yeah. He was a yeah. bonus, wasn't
1: he? Yeah. yeah. But but even, to, be, to, to be fair to me, his Everson career lasted a bit longer than Traore's, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. That's fair. I mean, enough, that, yeah. that that
1: was one game. one well injury was? it? they like a, a final appearance yeah. away at Hulls or so?
2: Yeah, what
1: a goal he scored! It was, man. yeah. My yeah, word. It, was it a against Swansea in the cup? Was it? Yeah, in the FA yeah. Cup, it was. Yeah. But yeah,
2: yeah, well, yeah. even, even the Ashes last kick, like last kick of a football for Everton was that Newcastle game when he, he had he had a one-on-one and he just knocked it straight into the defender and you know we, we should have we should have gone 3 0 no up in that game that day.
3: Yeah, he tried to play football that was the problem he should have just fell over into the ball a I bet he got it. <laughs> he, he's trying to think he's overthinking it yeah. too. the defenders don't know sorry the defenders don't know what he's going to do next because he doesn't know what he's going to do next yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: It, and of course when he came on against West Ham we were 2-0 up as well oh dear yeah uh, and West Ham had 10 men for that game didn't no, they? we? no we had 10 men didn't we we had 10 men and he brought yeah. um, oh, sorry, yeah, yeah. Martin right, yeah. has brought Adam Lennon off yeah he was playing really well and we tuning up and we putting the ash on and just Got for to some three reason empty yeah. yeah.
3: his midfield and put two strikers on my we were trying yeah. to defend two strikers goals. on, yeah. yeah. That was yeah. the beginning yeah. of the end for Martinez that game, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was. Because yeah, I, yeah. I, I liked Martinez. I, I liked him mm. when he was at Everton but uh, even I turned around and thought that's the end of it. He's not going to be here for much longer after that because yeah. that was toxic. Yeah. yeah.
2: Lukaku had a penalty didn't he as well to put a 3-0 up and yeah. missed it. Missed it. Oh, Good Yeah. Job.
0: Yeah, just like he did in the seminar. I semi-final. forgot about that. Yeah. whole hey. oh, game in that season was worse. The when Stoke Shik- game? Yeah, when Security scores that chip. I think the worst oh, one of that season for me was yeah, 4 three, 3, the Boxing Day one,
1: yeah. 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 the,
2: the worst yeah, that. ones for me were West Ham and Bournemouth away, the three three. Yeah, yeah that's
3: great, wasn't it? When three when we, three was shocking. Yeah. Oh. And then
2: and then the same thing happened again at Chelsea. Like yeah, well, was, that wasn't
3: all our fault. The <laughs> Chelsea one was it because it was it was yeah. offside and overtime and it was unball or something like that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> ben, that just going off on a tangent there. That that was Roberto Martinez in a nutshell because yeah, we, we do so many good things in games. We attack excite these, y-
3: excite you.
0: yeah. We attack these teams, these big teams, more than any Everton side that I've ever seen. We'd actually look like we're going to get a result, mm-hmm. and then it'd just be a mm-hmm. capitulation, something ingrained in them. That just meant that we're going to cough this
3: up, it was just that's full of said...
1: sorry, Dave. Sorry, Ben, as you said before, Dave. I mean, you mentioned the recruitment in Martinez's first season, the recruitment was absolutely spot on this first season, wasn't it? And yeah. you know, does bet the question, you know, did he go wrong, or was the advice he was being given wrong, or were people not listening to the players that he wanted to buy? I'm yeah. not quite sure. Sorry, Ben,
3: no, uh, yeah, I think that's a good point as well. I think it's it's very difficult. I mean, it's, it's clear now the transfer strategy we've got, because Marcel Brand is 90% in charge of the players. You'd imagine it's just sort of a, a thumbs up or thumbs down from Ancelotti when all the negotiations getting started. But back then, it is really weird to think, because about a month after Niasse signed, isn't that when Mashiri got announced? So you wonder then what kind yeah. of influence... Yeah. I, I, I'll be honest with you, I, go, I thought back to that a few months and I thought, I think they knew that machine was coming in. That's why they wanted to sanction... Because they didn't... We needed a striker, but we weren't desperate for a striker. Mm. So, to go out and buy one for that kind of money at the time, to me, thought, there's money coming in here for some reason. Mm. They're just like kids in a sweet shop. And it's like they've seen Chelsea link with them. So, we'll go and grab them and pretend like we've robbed them off Chelsea. That's what it seemed like to yeah. me. Because
2: they sold yeah. me. He- it's January, Matt. didn't they, as well? Yeah.
0: I was going to say, Matt, here's, here's a question for you. So, knowing what we know from... Machiri's time at the club and the, the absolute waste of money we've had, which I think you know nobody can deny, we've wasted a hell of a lot of money under Machiri. Would you then, knowing what you know about the likes of Ruma and the ass, Antel and Al- Alcaraz, would you take a chance now and swap what we've done and give all that to Roberto Martinez after the that first
2: season? So, give him you want him with money after the first season?
0: I want with, with money. After that 2016 semi final against United. So no.
2: if he
3: hadn't got sacked, basically, if he hadn't got sacked.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely not. No.
3: would have got Yamalenko. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. That 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 team, just think you'd back rather, on,
3: but... hang on, you'd rather have what we have now. We're, yeah, we're... I'd have took a chance on Martin's I, I
0: think we I think we probably would have gone down. Really? we are spending all that money?
2: Yeah, because Lukaku would have gone in
0: the then to like I think,
2: I think the only reason Rom stayed that summer is because Cooman came in and he was he was attracted by by Koeman being, you know, because they were big pals in that first season, weren't they? You know, they always yeah. celebrated together, they always talked about each other quite a lot. But Martinez, it felt as though the more the more influence he had on that side, the worse we were. And the, I, I've never seen an Everton team in my life as unfit as that one at the end of that season. Do you remember Ross Barkley? He was just, he was absolutely enormous. He was he was huge. He couldn't he couldn't run. You know the players were out out of shape, and they were just utterly horrendous. And I think that those few months were the worst thing I've ever seen an Everton team play. You know that night at Sunderland when we lost three 0 the four 0 derby where you know John Stones goes up with with the shits, and we ended up having like forty shots a goal against us or something mad like that. You know, that that was a horrendous time to, to watch Everson. So, with that in mind, they probably wouldn't have, wouldn't have kept him right. I mean, I don't know what Paul and, and Ben think on that, right. and yourself,
1: obviously, Dave. It's funny you mentioned the Derby game there because um, that 4-0 one. I remember Brendan Rodgers being on Sky Sports on the Monday night special of the season afterwards and he was talking about the tactics he chose to play against Everton that night because you knew Martinez liked the full-backs to push forward, leaving loads of space behind them. And he told uh, Suarez and uh, Mike Sturridge not to track back. And they will we'll always track back. No, don't track back because <laughs> there's so much space behind them. They'll lose the ball and when it comes back into... into the opposition half, you will get it and you will have a free run on goal. And as you're talking through each goal, you can see how that tactic could work. Like, you know, I thought, if Rodgers has done his homework here, you know, and I'm thinking, well, hang on, if Rodgers has sussed this out, every manager in the Premier League is watching and thinking, right, this is how you beat Everson. And, and going back to, to the final days of Mars, uh, as you said, the first season was fabulous and we'd all love to have a season like that again. But by the end, the home form was just abysmal. And the way, and, you know, Every time John Stones had the ball on his own penalty, your heart was in your mouth wondering who he was going to give it to, who he, who he was going to give it away to. And I think as well the players, the players lost faith in Martinez, and that kind of explained them them being out of condition, not making the efforts. <coughs> I think, you know, it's still with that. It's just if, you, if you've lost the dressing room, then the club's not, not going to go anywhere in particular. And, uh, you know, if, I, I was just relieved that Martinez didn't win the World Cup in Belgium in 2018, because <laughs> that, that, that really would w- would have been something that would be just so evident, wouldn't it?
2: Yeah, uh, we, we just very quickly, Dave. We had a few comments on on Twitter. So on, on the ass, um, Ian Clark said he was a kitten with a ping pong ball. Um, <laughs> 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 um, Carl Carl has said on prospect Martinez. No free exclamation marks. Good year of math. We'd have gone down. The more he coached them, the worse we got. I'm only amazed that game against Liverpool. They didn't end up eight 0 yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. That,
0: that, that did amaze me. That that was we got out of jail like a storage, missed a penalty as well, didn't he? Did, he? Yeah. Yeah, he five
2: 0 on the hour, yeah. Um, and the we had another comment from videos and stuff saying kuman went to watch Sandro four or five times and signed him. So you know, we all um,
3: thought he was going to be like the next Fernando Torres, though, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. we did. Well, I mean, that, that we, was the most disappointing transfer I've seen. Sorry. He
1: yeah. scored one. He scored one goal, Samuel, didn't he, against Atlanta in the in the Europa League, which was a yeah. really, really good goal. He also scored his second goal. Well, it wouldn't be counted as in the pre-season friendly against Seville when he also looked very good. In
0: yeah. yeah, the kit as well, he looked even better, didn't he, in that kit. Oh, that kit was amazing. Yeah. There were glory, yeah.
3: yeah.
2: day. glory days. There were glory days. That pre-season when we thought everyone's going to be great and we, we thought we were you know, taking the world on. Yeah, you yeah. yeah. had a, a wonderful yeah. kit of a, a boss manager. No, no one was asked that with the gone. It was all going to be
1: fine. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Bastard, never mind. 0. Say it again, Dave. Batter and Resumba off one nil at <laughs> And it were a tough team, to be fair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: Are way line Oh God, yeah, of
2: course, yes. yeah. Yeah, slide tackling from the halfway line, yeah. Great page yeah. there. Um, let's have a chat about, about Wednesday then. Um, Carlo Angelotti said that his press conference today that Yerimina is available, um, albeit there's no guarantee he's going to play of course, <coughs> at the moment with my team doing really well. Theo uh, Walcott and Gibraltar saviby are in contention. Uh, but Fabian Delph is out. Um, and Fabian Delph's been... Just probably get to all about the game, they Fabian Delph's been um, perusing Instagram again, you, you could say, and rather than a few, a few, a few blues... Um, just, you know, can't seem to keep away, can he, from
0: it? No. Seems to be a well-trodden path to them, doesn't it? Um, uh, you know, and the thing about it is, the, these, these things normally, 99% of the time, you take with a pinch of salt. For various reasons, maybe the guy's, you know, it's a friend of his or whatever, quite clearly. Yeah, some... for anyone who's not seen it, can you just explain what's actually happened? Yeah, so essentially, <coughs> there's an Instagram picture of a guy wearing the 19 slash 20 champions top for Liverpool win the league. He's got the top on back to front. And Fabian Delphi, I'm, I'm not sure what the comment was, but what was it? Something like, I'm buzzing for you or something like yeah, that? Yeah, um, Along those lines, that's not verbatim. And um, yeah, a couple of times he, he conversed with this guy saying how great it is and things like that. Obviously a massive no-no to, to every Evertonian, really. Um, probably borderline unprofessional for many people. A lot of people are, are, are outraged by it. And the reason what I say is 99% of the time you can't take that with a pinch of salt because, you know, there's things lost in translation. Could be a close friend, whatever. There's, there'll be some sort of context, which I'm sure he'd probably try and explain if he could. The issue I've got with him is more how that exacerbates how poor he's been in an Everton shirt so far. I think he's been abysmal. I think he hasn't shown any leadership qualities. The real one that really did, that got me was the 3-2 away at Watford, which we eventually won. Thankfully, we got what's late goal and he gets sent off in that game. And at the time, I, I thought I was, just, I was staggered. But firstly, not many people agreed with me, saying that was the most unprofessional, pointless, pathetic tackle in the world that he could make when... We're, we're trying to see the game out. He had the Watford player going nowhere, decided to, to, to stick his foot in. Second book, ball offence, and walks. And it, it looks like it maybe cost seven in the game on another occasion. That to me is not a man who's one of the one of the leadership contenders in the Manchester City dressing room that won a couple of league titles. <coughs> that, that to me is an irresponsible, professional who looks like he's come to the football clubs for his last payday, and that is what I feared when we got him. I wasn't overly enamoured when we announced the signing of him. I thought he'll be a decent squad player, possibly somebody who comes in if we've got you know a few games over a small amount of time and stuff like that. And, Really lead by example in a midfield that, let's face it, at the start of the season we were quite excited about with the arrival of Gabamin. We thought it probably maybe be third choice, possibly compete with Tom Davis or, or Schneiderlin for those midfield roles under Marco Silva. Never materialised, and to me it just looks like it. It just looks like he's here for one final payday, and quite quite sad really, because all you ever hear from other clubs he's been at is how good he is, how much of a leader he is, which does mind nothing. Any time we sign these, these hand-me-downs of the clubs who are around the age of 30, done everything they need to do in their career, go back to the old adage you always come out with, man. there's a reason they come to Everton. The reason being Fabian Delph looks to me like one final paycheck before he calls it a day, or perhaps goes to the MLS or China.
2: I think when, when we signed him initially, Paul, you know, everyone... For is this, this be the, the new Gareth Barney? Because he's a midfielder, he's left sided, he's experienced, he's been to Villa, he's been to Man City. You know, there's, there's loads of similarities there between his creating Gareth Barrys, but uh, certainly not been that, has he?
1: Well, I think the, uh, comparing him with Gareth Barry is a good case to close because Gareth Barry to me was the ultimate professional, someone who would never let the side down. Who you know, just who, despite his lack of pace, you could, could always rely that he was going to contribute, he's he going to make a determined effort for the team, and didn't let himself down off the pitch particularly either. Uh, apart from maybe Wallinson when 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 he joined uh, West Brom after he left us in Spain one time, but uh, I, I agree with what, what what Dave's saying there, and I think Ben would agree as well that you know, um, Fabian tells to me when we bought him, a I was disappointed because it meant. I think we, we, we were doing a blue room show that night. Matt, when yep. news came in about his signature, and straight away we all thought that means uh, Garner Gate going. And you know, you know that, that that you know, I don't think we've actually come from selling Garner Gate this season. That's just that the gate hole in the midfield it's not being built. Yep. I think as well, he was 28 and we signed him. And at the time, you know, we were getting told the philosophy was to so bring in young footballers we could improve, rather than buying other clubs, as Dave mentioned. Well, uh, before other clubs rejects because to me he was the first team of Man City. And to me, the RT always has to has to be why would have buy a player who can't get a first team place with another club? The RT has to be, you know, we want to buy players who are regulars for their team. And I think he has just come for the last payday. I've been mean, hugely underwhelmed with Fabian Dov. I didn't particularly like him before we bought him anyway. And I, I just you know he's kind of symptomatic of what's been the issue with Everson <coughs> for the last three or four seasons.
2: Yeah, uh, we've had a comment on this from Carl in the YouTube box. Uh, I'll sort of put it to you, Ben. It's, Carl said it's more the player than the action. If Richarlison does that, obviously referring to the Instagram quote, um, no one is bothered. Delph has done nothing to win the fans over, hence the reaction, I'd move him on. I think, I think that's fair enough, isn't it, to be honest? I think when you've, when you've not been on the pitch and when you've been on the pitch and not played particularly well, you need to be pretty squeaky clean off it and do everything well off
3: it in order to, to earn the favour of the fans, haven't you? Well, anything like that's always going to be the sword that breaks the camel's back. You know what I mean? He's, For me, I uh, don't mind saying he's acted for me like a petulant child throughout the entire season. For a player who's shown so little actual ability and so little fitness as well, might I add, he's been a liability like Dave said when he's been on the pitch. Like that Wofford, I completely agree with Dave, that that Wofford sending off, oh, that was just, it was it was unacceptable really from a player of his, of his years. He acts like, you know I've, I've people have been vocal uh, especially in sort of the wider ear vocal of Moise Keane's kind of perceived petulant behaviour you know but that's a young lad coming to a new country Fabian Delft yeah. an England international you know not being funny I remember the time when Mason Holgate was on the pitch when we were born and Mason Holgate told me he should have been marking his play and James Holgate says uh, show some respect well, yeah. I'll tell you right now Mason Holgate's twice the football and mm-hmm. twice the leader might I add the Fabian Delft's ever going to be and you know what I completely agree there with Paul as well because what in no way did that fit any of the club transfer philosophies. That felt, that still feels to me as though that could be Steve Walshine in you know, Because it's a player who isn't good enough, who's over the hill on massive wages and a relatively long-term contract in three-year deal. So while Marcel Brand has been trying his best to sort of shift the deadwood and we're still seeing that now and we will be doing next summer when the likes of Sandro's contract expire but we're just not, you know, that went against the entire grain of what we were trying to do. And, I, yeah, I wasn't very enthused when we signed him. But I thought, give him a chance. He might turn out to be, like you say, a Gareth Banny-type figure. But it's just gone completely the opposite way. And to be honest, it, it's actually sad that at the, currently, if he was fully fit, he probably would be our first choice ahead of Sigurdsson and Davis, while Bannon's out injured. So that that worries me a lot, but I'll tell you what, if anyone anyone from the MLS came calling, and I've written pieces in the past about this very thing, I think he should be basically pushed straight on a plane to America, a bit similar, more so than Rooney was, you know, when Rooney went, you could tell the club were very keen to get rid of him, just because of the wages, you know, and it was almost if Rooney was like, he didn't get a say in it, he was... Kind of pushed onto a playing goal. Listen, you're gonna have to leave because we need to get you off the way bill. Say what? If we could get any kind of fee for Fabian Delft I'd be all over. Because you know what? I'd have kept Schneiderlin. Yeah, yeah Schneiderlin really was yeah. better.
2: Yeah, I, totally I think.
0: The, the thing about it to me, the the comparison with Gareth Barry was always very lazy, in my opinion, because you only have to look at their injury records. G- Gareth Barry holds is the record hold for most Premier League. Yeah. Fabian Delph, I remember looking at the time when people were saying this, and then he made over thirty league appearances. I think in something like four of his previous sort of twelve seasons. I think counting his younger days at league, That You know, we, we I think as fans, I'm not speaking for everybody here because I wouldn't dare do that? But I think we we are so easily led by that whole he's a leader. Well, I could be a great leader. I can't move and I can't kick a football. It, you know, and and neither can Fabian Delph at the moment, by the way. That, <laughs> that's, the, that's the problem I have when people say that winning mentality thing. if you've got a winning mentality, why are Manchester City letting him go? Why are Manchester United letting go of players like Darren Gibson who we've signed in the past? And there's there's a there's a huge catalogue. You could you could write easily, probably 22 players. You could write two elevens of players surplus to requirements at other football clubs who have, who have won things. That, to me, is more of a risk and worse than signing an unknown player, even the likes of Umanias. I'd rather go and take a punt on somebody like that than go and get a 30-odd-year-old journeyman who's won a few league titles and maybe a couple of cups. Because where's their ambition then after they've finished that in their career? Gareth Barry's the one, one of the very rare ones who've stuck out as somebody who's come from a team that's been successful to a side like ours and actually kept his standard up, and that—that's the immense professional is. I wish we had him five years earlier because we, you know, we probably be having much better conversations about Everton's recent history if we had something like that. Just a guy similar, you know, he's, he's over thirty now. There's still rumours about him coming back with the PSG, maybe looking to offload him. The the comparisons are just non-existent for me because nobody comes to a club like ours. It's, it's a stark reality. It's a harsh reality for people. Mm. People don't come to Everton when they've been at previously successful clubs. We need to sign players. And the philosophy now, Ben, you're absolutely right, is correct. That's why this was such
3: a strange one because it, it went a good totally against it. As Marcel Brands like signing this one, because yeah. it just went it, against it,
0: everything. It's yeah. max desperation, doesn't it? It's, it? I think it's a desperate sign. I'm going back, completely agree with what Paul said. That <clears> in a day, and push the panic button because they either had a plan to get somebody else in before he departed, that didn't happen. Or that they banked on him maybe staying at the football club. And that, to me, when we get when we come across these instances again, maybe even this summer, the proof will be in the pudding if they've learned these lessons by the type of player they go and try to try to attract. Because these 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 experienced pros in inverted commerce are not coming to Everton for for professional reasons In my opinion that That's a blanket statement But I, I said, Except for Gareth Barry I can't think of any others
2: Yeah I think that's fair enough um, But yeah He's not going to be involved On Wednesday night It means that uh, I'm it. <laughs> I was going to have on options In midfield again um, I'll, I'll come to you first On this one Paul um, In regards to the Team news And what, what Carlos said today um, Do you foresee any real changes for Everton from the game at Norwich I think that the obvious one looks like it's going to be Guilty Sigurdsson probably coming in for Tom Davis but it's difficult to maybe see any other changes to the side apart
1: from that No i go along I think Matt yeah I mean certainly the the, the second half performance at Norwich was much improved on the first half performance and uh, so I'd be inclined to start off with the team that finished the Norwich game and um, yeah, I mean, defensively, you know, it's. I think it's only the third time this season we've, we've gone two consecutive games without conceding the goals. So, that you know, I think that needs to be developed. I think um, you know, Michael Keane, who I've been a big critic, obviously i see seen look better in the two games. I and mean, To me, it kind of raises an interesting point that are some players better when you don't play in front of a crowd? I'm looking at Michael mm-hmm. Keane, I think he's a bag of nerves playing at Goodison with Evan Scream and Playing in front of an empty stage, I mean, he seems much more composed, much more relaxed. I thought Tom Davis was the same in, in the... Uh, in the derby match as well. Like, he also didn't seem to be under pressure because the crowd wasn't there. So, so whether, you know, you know Ancelotti's picked up on that, for certain players seem more relaxed around fans being there, I'm not quite sure. But at the moment, I can't see you know, any overwhelming case for changing the team. And I think, Hope these words don't come back to hold me. I think we're playing less than a good time because I think they've hit quite a, a sticky patch at the moment. I don't know if James Madison's still injured or not. He's uh, not fit, he's not available no. now. So 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 that's a, that's a plus for us as well. So to me, to me you know, this this seems an ideal opportunity to get another three points, keep another clean sheet, and you know, we've still got the flicker of a chance of, of, of you know. Qualifying for Europe. I'm, I'm always heartened when Carlos says his post match interviews, we're going for Europe, we're still in contention. When you think like Burnley are now in contention for Europe, Southampton in contention for Europe, then, then you know, why aren't we? Yeah, mm. I think that's fair. I mean, when, when, when
2: Paul said then that, you know, it's, it's a good time to play Leicester. Dave and Ben sort of sat up and squirmed in, in the seats a little bit. Um, obviously, obviously, they're not yeah. playing well. Jamie Bardi's on 99 Premier League goals <coughs> oh. um, in that regard. I, you know, I know Dave feels like this potentially a banana skin game for Everton, oh. uh, which is a mad thing to say, actually, about a team that's third in the Premier League. Um, but they are playing that badly for the moment. But how do you feel about it, Ben? How do you see it going?
3: Um, I think we might try and keep it tight. A bit similar like we did in the Liverpool game. I actually think... <laughs> you will see a couple of changes I think it's probably time for Anthony Gordon to go back in for Bernard for me Bernard had his opportunity to acknowledge and he didn't take it for me he's looked a little bit you know sluggish since the restart he's not quite enthused me whereas I think Alex Iwobi on the other flank has actually taken the ball by the horns and actually used it as a good opportunity so he's got a start for me I'll put Probably Anthony going back on the left hand side. That's assuming he doesn't want to give Moise Keane a run out. He doesn't see. He seems a bit reluctant to give Moise Keane much game time and move with Charles. And I think he likes to keep the Charles exactly where he is up front. Uh, other than that, yeah, Michael Keane, You know, like Paul said, then I've not, I've not been a big fan of him. I've been a, well, I've been a big fan of him in the past. But this season, I've been very critical of him, just because of compared to how good he was last season. But you know, he does seem. I think he just needs someone next to him with pace. I think that, I think that's what it is. I think because he's got Holgate, he knows he's got pace in behind. He doesn't seem to panic as much. I think when he's next to Gary I Mina, mean, it's, like, it's like having two HGV trucks. Like at the back, you know what I mean? They, they, they turn like buses and that's what the, that's when you start panicking. But I think the Leicester game, it is a banana skin. I'm definitely not going to say anything like we're catching him at a good time because as everyone knows, uh, playing Everton, it's always going to be a good time playing Everton. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think, listen, without crowd, you know, if we had the crowd and it was home game, I'd, I'd be disappointed if we didn't win or at least get, a, you know, something out the game but 11 men v 11 men regardless of their injuries, at the end of the day, the fact are they've got a better team than us. They have, they've got a better start in 11 than us. I don't think they've got a better manager than us but they've probably got a better start in 11 than us and they've got Jamie Vardy who always seems to score against us and am I right in thinking the last three times in all conditions we played them we played them they've beaten us all three including the cup game on pens because they yeah, beat yeah, us at yeah. home last season under Martinez. they beat us away in the league this season and then they beat us on penalties in the cup yeah. so we've not got a great record and Jamie Vardy always seems to turn up uh, when he comes to Guddleston Park so yeah I mean it's one of them I'd be disappointed to, take it, to sit here and say i take a draw because I, I want to win especially a home game but unfortunately like we've discussed in the bat, it doesn't really feel like a home game at the moment so mm. I can see us trying to keep it tight similar that we do that we did against Liverpool, but I do think maybe that 10 minutes 15 minute spell at the end of the Liverpool game might come 10, 15 minutes earlier in this game from a be bit, bit braver, but that's I think Leicester will be happy to let us keep it tight. and then when we eventually do come out of our sort of go out and try and create chance, that's when I think they'll just be happy just becomes off. So uh, tentatively you know a little bit anxious about the game because of the pace they have in behind especially against the likes of Michael Keane. But listen, we, we've got Leicester and Tottenham in the next two games. They're two games that I think we're going to find very difficult to get points from. But if we are serious about Europe, like like Paul said then it's great to hear about it, we need to win both them games. I'm not yeah. going to believe that we've got a chance mm-hmm. of Europe unless we do what is, unfortunately, the unthinkable and get six points in the next six games.
2: Yeah. Um, Dave, you know, I know you're a big fan of James Madison and not playing for Leicester is obviously a boost for us, but I think... The one which is sort of gone under the radar a bit when it comes to them is Ricardo not being involved as well because he's been, you know, probably what well, after Alexander Arnold the best right back in the league for for, for the last couple of years. So he, he's going to be a big miss. But you know, me and you were speaking this morning. You were you were sort of saying that you think it's going to be tough for us. This um, and I suppose it's it's just we're getting to that point in the season now, are we? Where Everton are mid table, not really got anything to play for. The derby's out the way. You know, they've won away from home. They've got to that forty points. Whereas Leicester, all of a sudden, have got a lot to play for, haven't they, with those teams coming up behind them. And just wonder if that just that sheer will of wanting to win a football match and need to win a football match
0: might come into it a little bit on Wednesday. Well they need to response as well, Matt. I think I mentioned on our radio show this morning they definitely need to show something because the the three games that I've seen them play since the restart, they've had very, very little, they've looked very flat and they haven't got <laughs> chances. And I think Carlo Ancelotti will have studied that and they'll have looked at the opposition they've played and how they've stopped, in particular, Vardy on the break. Yeah, great news for us that Madison's not there, Ricardo even better as well in, in, the, in the wide areas. Um, I, I, to me, there's, there's a midfield battle here that's crucial and that's where Leicester have been undone, I think, in their first few games back because they haven't had the penetration of Madison, even Rodgers himself played them out wide on one occasion as well, which just did not work at all. In, in the middle, they're, they're, a, they're a strong force. I remember talking about this earlier this season. They have, I think, a glut of players who are all 23 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, who are just a, much of a much as you throw them in. Telemans and Deezy. Um, you've got Chaudhry
2: and Dennis Pratt,
0: Dennis Pratt as well. Yeah, yeah quality, quality midfielders in depth. That's why Leicester find themselves third you pit that against what we've had and obviously it's, a, it's been an underlying theme and then it's been a pretty obvious theme for us this season that's been the midfield battles but I was mildly impressed with Sigurdsson when he come on against Norwich I thought he was okay I thought his, his touches were fine he, he looked like he was up for a battle and, and wants to put himself about, about a little bit hopefully this lockdown period has given him the sort of wake-up call he needs to be regarded as a £45 million player because he's not worth half that in my opinion in fact, I think we'd be lucky to get anywhere near half that if we were to try and sell him. He'll he I think he will come in because Davis was was really poor against Norwich. I don't think Carlo Ancelotti's the type of manager who that would go unnoticed with yeah. either. I think put Tiggerton in there next to Gomez. Um and then yeah, I mean the one person we haven't spoke about all show really is Calvert Lewin. And I had some observations of his against Norwich which I thought I really, really liked. One, he looks bit as a fiddle I mean he yeah. looks like a proper athlete now he's beefed out properly he's yeah. a big strong boy and he's lightning quick as well he's, yeah. he's developing into everything we hoped he would be from a physical standpoint <clears throat> yeah. well he's the complete opposite to that player we saw stuck on the channels under the likes of Koeman and Allardyce he's a genuine striker now he's a genuine number nine and if you noticed that, I'm not sure if you did every single time he picked up the ball in a deep line area he'd turn and he'd shoot he looks mm-hmm. to shoot on sight now is and his passing's been really good as well yeah. He's, yeah, he's, yeah. Back. He's, he's brimming with confidence he knows now he he cuts he cuts a figure that knows he's the main man in this side from a yeah. goal scoring standpoint I think what will be bothering him is how long he's gone without a goal not yeah. so much in time but actual yeah. physical you know, real life time but he's a goal done is it March, is it April time when he yeah, scored, March, yeah, United, yeah. was Even that was just the one that hit him, which the gayer
2: kicked
3: against him, wasn't it?
0: So even that was a new man, goal, was <laughs>
3: yeah. uh, he stayed on his feet though, he didn't fall over, did he? So it couldn't be Nia.
0: But he will I am I'll I'll go on the limb and say this now. He's gonna get a bag full for us, uh, Calvert Lewin, because it looks like he's just got that bit between his teeth, which is he's had the adversity, he's come through so much of the football club. That's a that's a that's a bit of a yarn, isn't it? Going through what he's been through at the club to come out the other side, but now to me, he looks like the finished product. And I, I can see him getting on the team sheet tomorrow night. On well, the team sheet,
2: I think he's be starting. Yeah, I <laughs> hope so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're on the bench today, Don. We're gonna uh, we're gonna give him on and last tonight. It's <laughs> yeah. gonna look really
3: like sort of like yeah. X-File style if we look at the team sheet and he's just missing off it tomorrow, yeah. and everyone's yeah. like going, yeah. at Matt, Dave, Matt, Dave Matt, down Matt, the game. game. Umar's given
2: us yeah. a game for three. He's ran yeah. on with Calvert-Lewin's shirt number on his locker. <laughs> God of honour for Umar when he comes out, yeah. Uh, predictions, uh, Paul?
1: Well, I, I, you know, I hate to curse Everson's results, you know, because, it, uh, I, uh, but I, you know, the, the way Dave's just talked about the Calvert-Lewin there, which I totally agree with, and I think, you know, the... the uh, I think he's due a goal tomorrow, tomorrow night I'm confident he'll get a goal tomorrow night whether it's an ass tight goal or a real goal I don't really care but um, I, I, I think I think due a victory against Leicester you know we've had some bad luck against them the League Cup in the League this season they scored in the last minute against us didn't they oh, yeah. when nice we dominated days, the yeah. game when we played last year it was New Year's Day Goodison in the most like the most severity like, type atmosphere I've ever oh, known at Goodison Park awful. the BC 1-0 that day as well so I think we're due winning against Leicester and uh Madison not is a big plus for us. So, okay, I've got I've got one in here. 2-0, Everton. Dan, what do you reckon?
3: Uh, do you want my heart or my head?
2: Heart. <laughs> no one cares about rational force? Just, <laughs> uh, just give us all your heart.
3: Yeah, right. I think it'd be one all then. <laughs> okay. but, listen, I can just... I'm sorry, but all I keep seeing in my head is <laughs> a 1-0, Jamie Vardy. That's all I keep seeing. Like mm-hmm. a jammy horrible goal on like seventy-five minutes or something after we finally come out of our own half and we just did it. But mm-hmm. I, I don't I there's just there's I don't think there's many goals in any of Everton's games going forward. You know, because you see the way the seasons restarted started for us, we seem to be very careful about things like injuries. We don't seem making many subs to freshen the team up because we haven't got the personnel. So I just think every every game's gonna be quite tight and I think they they need the result more than we do, like you said before. So I think they might just have the edge in this game. Dave. I'm I've gone for a
0: highly competitive two two. I think we'll 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 see. I think we'll see a different game. I think we'll see the time really? game we want, with with some sides actually trying to score goals and play some nice. attack. Yeah. It'll be really nice. Do you know what? I I, I just I I wanna see us. A little bit more penetrative from that midfield area. I want Get Martinez
3: back for one game. Yeah, before like all and before all,
0: he would definitely take both teams to score and a score draw, wouldn't he? He um, definitely have
2: Carvalho on the bench and the ass up front as well.
0: Yeah, with <laughs> yeah. Um Yeah, I think think two all. I think we'll see some goals. And, and I think, yeah, I mean, the Michael Keane, he, I think he has an issue with Vardy in the past. Yeah. We've seen that, He's I think, scored a lot against that, us. Well, that dreadful one 0 that Paul's talking about on New Year's Day—it was a Michael Keane error, I think. Yeah, I
1: remember
0: on the halfway line, wasn't it? Gave the ball away. Yeah, and uh, Vardy's speed and pace. So it's important Carlo gets the defensive line right in terms yeah. of how how high up our starting position is. Um, that'll be crucial to to sort of numbing his effect on the game. But other than that, yeah, I can see I can see us causing them real problems. And um, selection-wise, I'm I'm with Dumas. I think he might just throw Sigurdsson in instead of Davis and then and then sort of keep it as it is Bernard I know we haven't probably got enough time to talk about him but that, that's a lingering issue for me that is going to be mm. I a, agree. a sticking point going mm. forwards. given his wages
3: I'd, I'd let him go I'd let him go if somebody come in with a decent offer that, I, I know you're, you're in a rush but that's what I'd say
0: but mm. that, that's, that's a sort of my point when I'm getting that Ben is that he, yeah. his, his sell on value is going to be tainted for us by the fact that people are not going to be willing to pay that sort of wage oh
2: yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure we'll have a chance about that in the future. I reckon we're going to win one 0 I think it'll be similar to the it's derby, nice. like, like Ben it's said.
1: Not
2: just me. Yeah, I think it'll be similar to the derby, like Ben said, but I think we'll we'll we'll, we'll be strong I, in the last fifteen. I did say, say after the seven
3: minutes, I did say ten minutes into the derby there'd be riots all angles, and I wasn't quite right.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: yeah, I re- yeah, I reckon they'll be a bit weary after the the, the workload they've had the last few few weeks and I think we'll That's we'll awesome. come on strong later on with it. So fingers That's crossed awesome. anyway. Uh, thanks very much to everyone who's listened to this. Thanks very much to everyone who's watched on YouTube and Interact. Uh, really enjoyed that cheers for the people getting involved there. Uh, cheers to Ben, Paul and Dave. We'll be back post match tomorrow thanks. with Mark Mosey, uh, myself and Nick Preble might be joining us as well after his, his hiatus from the show where you know he only became a father, oh. you know, but we'll <laughs> really <can't> excuse him <laughs> from that. But uh well, me- on, what was that mate? The Weatherman Returns. The Weatherman returns, yeah. Um so we'll speak to we'll hear uh, we'll speak to you tomorrow after the game as well. Hopefully you're factoring on Everton win. Uh, cheers Change listens to the Blue Room. We'll speak to you very soon.